0: Birthright that's automatically um, belongs to you. So I'm going to start this morning in Genesis 25 19 through 34, and I'm going to talk about or read the story of Isaac. I'm sure many of you have heard it, it's a popular story in the Bible. But if you want to follow along with me, Genesis 25 19 through 34. Bear with me if I don't pronounce all of these names, right? But it's the history of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padam Aram, the sister of Laban. Isaac pleaded with the Lord to give Rebekah a child because she was childless. So the Lord answered Isaac's prayer and his wife became pregnant with twins. But the but her children, sorry. But the two struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to to the Lord and asked about it. Why is this happen, happening to me?" she said. And the Lord told her, "The sons in your womb will become two rival nations. One nation will be stronger than the other. The descendants of your older son Descendants of your younger son. And when the time came, the twins were born. The first was very red at birth. He was covered with so much hair that one would think he was wearing a piece of clothing. They called him Esau. Then the other twin was born, with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they called him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open fields, while Jacob was the kind of person who liked to stay home. Isaac loved Esau in particular because he, because of the wild game that he brought home, but Rebekah favored Jacob. One day, while Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home exhausted and hungry from a hunt. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew you made. This is how Esau got his name, Edom, meaning red. Jacob replied, all right, but trade me your birthright for it. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? So Jacob insisted, well then, swear to me right now that it is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling his birthright to his younger brother, as the firstborn to his younger brother. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate and drank and went on about his business, indifferent to the fact that he had given up his birthright. Now in order to understand what Esau was actually giving up when he gave up his birthright, we first gotta understand what a birthright is. Now, I don't know about you guys but i'm a pretty good cook and i still don't think that i would give up something that was mine just for a bowl of stew but he did so it must have been really great and i got to thinking about it i was like what what all is included in that birthright? because he said esau said well what good is it to me and we may think that at times like what good is whatever it is that belongs to us at the time if it's not being used at in that moment. But a birthright in particular is a right of possession or privilege one has from birth, especially as an eldest child. It's a right that you have because you were born into a particular family, position, place, etc., or because it is the right of all people. Now in Bible times it was just a little bit different. Um, because the birthright, you noted, a special privilege or an advantage that belonged to the firstborn son of the Jews. That's who the birthright belonged to in, in the Bible times. The firstborn son actually had allotted to him also a double portion of the paternal inheritance. So he was given double of the father's inheritance just by being the firstborn son, just because he was the first son that was born into that family. Now, Esau was the firstborn son of Isaac and Rebekah, so he automatically was given a specific birthright when he was born. Now, you may be thinking, what does Esau or Jacob or birthright have to do with anything today? And that's where I want to tie in. Just like Esau received a certain right of possession or privilege because he was the firstborn in his family, it's the same way for us. When we are born again into the kingdom of God, when we are saved, we receive a birthright that is automatically given to us as a child of God. But in order to understand birthright, we really need to understand what salvation is. So let's start with the meaning of the word. Because most believers think that the word salvation simply means to be saved from eternal damnation. I mean... We're not going to hell because we got saved. That's pretty much the thought of most people when you get saved. That's why we do it. We don't want to go to hell. But it is so much more than that. Salvation actually means preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. And I want to talk about three things that the word of salvation actually refers to today. One. Salvation includes deliverance from evil, both temporal and eternal. It refers to the spiritual and material preservation, deliverance from the fear of danger, as well as pardon, restoration, healing, wholeness, and soundness in spirit, soul, and body. Now, I know you've heard Dad talk about us being three-part beings. And I want to reference, if you look in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it actually talks about us being three-part beings. Because we think about, in salvation, that our spirit's going to go to heaven one day. But it it involves so much more than that. It involves every part of our being. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May the God who gives peace make you holy. In every way may he keep your whole being spirit soul and body blameless when our Lord Jesus comes you see God just doesn't want to save your soul he wants to transport transform every single part of you your spirit your body and your soul he wants to make everything every single part of you whole and it's true that when you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, you are saved from the penalty of sin. And you have been delivered from hell and are healed and headed for heaven. In Romans 5.9, you guys want to look at that? Romans 5.9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That tells us that through his blood, we are saved. He has come into our lives. We've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and his blood is now running through our veins. We are his child. His blood, just like we are our parents' children, their blood is running through us. It's the same way when we accept Christ, and his blood is running through us. Now, the second part of salvation includes a life of freedom. Salvation provides deliverance from the domination of sin in this life. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. I don't know about you guys, but I am thankful for God's grace because there's many times in our lives that we don't get it right. But God is gracious and loving and has enough grace to provide for every situation that we ever encounter. And he brings us right back to that place of wholeness with him. If we allow him to. And then in 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. Now, when I want to ask you. Because I, I want you guys to really see this. Are you a child of God? First of all. Because that's, that's a part of the deal. Are you a child of God? Yes. Now if you are a child of God. Is Christ living inside of you? Yes. Okay. Well, that verse, it tells us, God tells us in his word, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, I want you guys to really listen and take a minute. I want you to really catch this because when I was reading that verse, it really hit me last night. I was like, okay. If there is freedom wherever the spirit of the Lord is, And he's living inside of you. He's living inside of me. Then there is freedom inside of me. There's freedom inside of you. It doesn't matter what is going on around you. You can thank God because you don't have to live in sin anymore. You have been born of God. And you have the power to live a holy life. A life of freedom. So whatever it is that has been coming against you, you don't have to be bound By it anymore. Anything, it doesn't matter. Whatever has been holding you back, it could be sickness or poverty, bad habits, unforgiveness, etc. It doesn't really matter what it is that you're facing. We all have different things that we deal with in life, but because God is living inside of us, He has provided us freedom from those things. Even if you have not seen it manifested in your life yet, you are still free because you are a child of God. John 8:36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If God has set you free from something, you don't have to go back to it. You have already been delivered. It doesn't belong to you anymore. Now the third part of salvation, salvation protects you from earthly dangers. I know we talked about Psalms 91 last week, and we prayed it over your mom um, in the church. But Psalms 91 actually tells us that we will be delivered from pestilence, which includes serious sickness and disease, famine, earthquakes, and other calamities. It says that you will be protected from sudden, sudden death that comes by the weapons of men. It promises you a long, satisfying life and deliverance from every kind of trouble that comes your way. First John 4, 4, it tells us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So it doesn't matter what is going on around you. Greater is he that is inside of you. Now, I've had some things in my life that were really difficult things going around on the outside. And there's been times that I felt down, and I'm sure you guys have too. And we all have moments where it's like, God, I don't know if I can take any more of this. I don't know if I can handle any more. Like this is just becoming more than I can bear. God, I don't understand what's going on or what I need to do in this situation. We all go through those things. We're all human and we all have those feelings. But greater is he that is inside of us. As a child of God, we have a power inside of us that is beyond anything we could ever imagine. And through salvation, we have been given promises because they are our birthright. They belong to us. Now the devil, he is out to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he's going to plant seeds of doubt in your mind. Honestly, I believe that is probably the biggest battlefield that you will ever deal with is your mind. Because... There's so many things that happen around us, and we start having thoughts, usually negative ones, because that's the easy thing to think. When things are going wrong, we think bad things. It's hard to think good things when things are going wrong. But that's what God tells us to do. He tells us to speak life. There's power in our words, what we say. And then there's oftentimes that we're dealing with things in life. And maybe we messed up. Maybe we got it wrong, you know, ourselves. And we start to think that maybe we don't actually deserve all of those promises that God's given us in his word. Because, let's face it, we don't always get it right. Or there may be other times. Maybe you're not in a struggle right now. Maybe you're on a mountaintop and things are going great and you don't think you really need it right now you ever been in that place? We wouldn't actually say, no, we don't need God because it's not what we think, but that's how we act sometimes. Because we think that, well, everything's going good. I've got it all together. I can handle this on my own. It's when we're going through trials and tribulations that we realize how much we really, really need God and his help to get through these things. But... To talk about that birthright that has been given to us, even though we may not think that we need it at times, or we might not think that we deserve it, or we may not just be using it or applying it in our life. Just like Esau thought, He's like, what good is my birthright to me? It's not doing me any good right now. It's not feeding me. My belly is growling, and I am hungry, and I've been out there hunting all day, and I am famished, about to pass out, and I need some food right now. You ever get like that? Yeah? Sometimes we get in a place, we're not thinking about anything else. If you go all day, you've been working really hard, and you're hungry when you get home, you're not thinking about anything else but food. And it was kind of that way for Esau. He wasn't thinking about his birthright or anything else. He just wanted something to eat. He wanted to feel good in that moment. He wanted his belly full. So he was sidetracked by what was in front of him So much so that he was willing to give up everything that belonged to him. He traded his birthright for a bowl of stew. Now, it may not be the same in our days. I mean, we may not trade something for a bowl of stew, literally. But it involves so much more than that. What it's really telling us is don't trade your birthright Or don't trade what you really, really want in life for what's in front of you right now. Don't settle for okay when God has great things for you. He has so much more than you can imagine and think. But how many times do we trade God's promises for fear, anxiety, sickness, poverty, loneliness, heartbreak and failure. We may think, well, I didn't ask for any of those things. I don't want bad things in my life. I know we don't want bad things, but what do we really expect when we're giving away everything that God has given us for temporary pleasures in life? Now, we've all fallen into this category. We have all wanted little things that might make us feel better right now or affect us in some kind of way right now. Things aren't going like we want. We want this. We don't want to wait for what God has. And we all face those things. But James 4, 7, it says, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It doesn't say that we're not going to deal with things in life. It doesn't say that we're not going to have trials and tribulations and that the devil's not going to attack us. It says that we've got to resist him. And if we resist him, he will flee from us. Because you see, all of these promises that God has given us that are included in salvation, they're wonderful promises, but they are not automatic. There's some things that we have got to do in order to make them happen. They belong to us. They're ours, but we've still got to, to claim them. Just like when somebody dies, I'm sure some of you guys have um, dealt or been around people that dealt with an estate, in a situation that somebody dies, and everything goes into an estate so it can be settled properly through the courts, and if anybody, and there's any heirs or anybody um, owes money or there's something that belongs to them, they've got to go to the court and they've got to claim it, okay? It, it don't just randomly show up on their doorstep or get sent to them in the mail. They've got to claim what belongs to them. And it's kind of the same way for us, because God's promises operate under specific conditions, all of his promises. Everything that's included in salvation, everything that's included in his word, it operates under specific conditions. And Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2 tells us what these conditions are. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say unto the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On Him I lean and reply, and in Him I confidently trust. You see, He's provided everything that I need. He's a fortress and a protection, and He's there for me to lean and rely on. And I can trust in Him, but I have got to dwell on Him, because if my mind is over here in left field and I'm focusing only on my problems in life and I'm not focusing on God, I'm going to lose sight of that protection that is provided for me. And then when the devil comes and attacks, because he's going to, over and over again. And have you found that when you're really, really going through something, it's like one thing after another, after another, after another. All the time. It's like he's trying to wear you down. And he does. He tries to wear you down little by little by little. So it gets your mind off of where it's supposed to be and trusting in God who is your strength and your supply and who's going to give you everything that you need in your time of trouble. But when we're in trouble, sometimes it's hard to keep that focus. It is. There's moments and I'm like, God, I don't understand. I just, can it just be over? Like, I need a break. But begging God isn't what moves God. Speaking his word is what moves God. When we say we're, we're being attacked and we're going through those things in life and the devil is firing those darts at you over and over and over again and it's like, You just feel like you're just about to collapse. And it's in those moments that you speak his word and you say things like, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And no weapon formed against me will prosper. God has given you promises that belong to you. They are your birthright as a child of God. And if you use those promises, the devil has to flee from you. He cannot stay. So if you want to experience the fullness of this great salvation that Jesus has purchased for you, you've got to exert consistent effort. Because if you're not reading or praying or putting those things inside of you, what are you going to have to give out when the devil comes against you with those darts that he's firing at you in life? When those difficult situations come your way, if you haven't been filled up With the word of God You're not going to have anything to speak In those situations And God wants us to live A full and prosperous life Not just our soul But our bodies and our mind and our spirit Like every single part of us It's all included He wants all of us to live whole He doesn't want you to just be saved And go to heaven one day He wants you to live healthy here on earth He wants you to live a prosperous life He wants you to have great things So many people come in with the mindset, well, like, there's all these poor people and I just shouldn't have anything. God's not that way. God wants you to have great things in your life. The more things that you have, the bigger blessing you can be to someone else. He doesn't want you to hoard them all to yourself. He blesses you so you can bless other people that are in need and in different situations. So when we apply consistent effort over and over again, It changes how we think on things. We can't give up. Have you ever felt like giving up? Have you ever had those moments in your life? Sometimes it gets hard. It gets hard to stand in faith. But don't give up. Don't give in. Stand for everything that salvation has afforded for you. Focus on the Lord and his word. Stay in constant communication with him through prayer and experience all that he has available through Jesus Christ because let me tell you we have not even tapped into everything that he has available for us as children of God there are so many promises that he has provided for us that we haven't even figured out yet there's a whole book full and I'd be willing to bet nobody in here knows every word in there I sure don't. But there's a whole lot that he has available for us. But we've got to stay in constant communication with him so that we can experience all of those things in our life. Did he say it was going to be easy? No. Probably not. But he did promise that he would never leave you or forsake you. And that he has given you all of the tools that you need to succeed So stand in faith, believe his word, and speak his promises over your life. Because these birthrights,
1: they belong
0: to you. Don't give it up. Don't trade everything that belongs to you for something that's going to go away right now. You've got to stand firm in his promises. Believe what he has given you. Fear is something that a lot of people struggle with, and that's why I wanted to to play that song. I actually want to play it one more time. And I want you guys, uh, the last time, to really listen to the words that it says. Because it says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. How many times in life have you been paralyzed by fear in a situation? When I say paralyzed... It feels like you cannot move. You don't know which way to turn. You don't know what to do. You don't know the answers. We've all encountered situations like that in our lives. But you don't have to be a slave to that. Fear doesn't belong to you. As a child of God, you are free. You have freedom inside of you. And I think that's what what God is trying to, to give us a revelation of, that We have freedom inside of us. He has provided so many things as a child of God that are ours. So if you want, just praise and worship him. You can sing along with the song if you like. Um, But I really want you to listen to the words because they're, they're powerful words. And when you're saying this, I don't want you to just sing, like speak to God. I want you to really believe it. I want you to say, matter of fact, we are going to practice one time. I want you to say after me, I am a child of God. I am a a child child of God. God. Let's say it one more time like you believe it. I I am 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 a a child child of God. God. I want you to say that to yourself. I want you to believe it. So when the devil starts attacking you and you're facing things in your life, that you start to speak those things. When you're having a bad day, you can say, devil, uh uh that doesn't belong to me. I am a child of God. You have got to leave in Jesus' name, and He does. He's got to leave. So, Mister Bobby, if you will play that song, I just want you to.